Hello, Church of the Cross, and welcome back for another episode of the Ninth Avenue Nine. It's been a long time. Summer does tend to be a difficult time to nail people down, and I have not had anyone express interest in recording a podcast with me in some time. However, I have heard from a couple of people, and so I thought I'd dust off the old microphone and start recording a few podcasts again. Would you like to be a guest on the Ninth Avenue Nine? Let me know. I'm always looking to record more shows. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org if you are interested. Also, be looking for a new Compline Prayer podcast that I will be starting soon. This will be a 10 to 15 minute weekly prayer podcast that I will begin posting later this fall. Stay tuned. But for now, let's get to today's episode. I sat down with Michael Pierre and talked with him about some of his favorite tunes. Michael had a very specific set of tunes that he wanted, and as you will soon see. If you're in the mood for some dance music, check out the Spotify playlist and the links I have with the show. So, without further ado, here's the episode I recorded with Mr. Michael Pierre. Hello, Church of the Cross. Welcome back to the 9th Avenue 9. Very pleasant day to you, wherever you may be. Today, I am recording my first episode in quite some time. My guest today is a relatively new attender at Church the Cross, but his family has a history here. So I might even be mistaken in saying that you're a new attender, because I don't know, maybe you attended more before I was around. I first met him when he and his brother helped refurbish our three doors last summer, and I think we can all agree that they look fantastic. So please... Join me in welcoming to the Ninth Avenue Nine, Michael Pierre. Hi, Michael. Hey, how's it going? Or Mike. I mean, that's how you. I, that's your. Um, I, I go either way. Yeah, you, and I see that like on your emails when you send them to me, it says Mike. So yeah, I used to go by Mike, Mike a lot, and it fits easier on a name tag. Mm-hmm. So. So, I know that you know your family goes back with Cross for ways. How far do you go back with Cross specifically? Uh, the first time I came here was actually when I was thirteen years old. 13. My friend had a bar mitzvah. And this used to be mm-hmm. a synagogue or a temple. Yes. And then, so he has bar mitzvah, and I remember distinctly in the sanctuary, he read his uh, stuff, and then we went downstairs, and we all had a little bit of the little wine tasting when sure. you're 13. Sure, So that was like the first time I came here. That's funny. Yeah, so, I, th- I think I had heard that now that you mention it. Yeah. And then did I, you participate in any folk dancing downstairs? Was there anything like that? that no, circles his, or his anything? reception was at a hotel or something. Got it. But... That's the first time I came into this building, and then I think we attended church uh, maybe once or twice before my brother's wedding. Mm-hmm. My brother Andrew got married here in 2007. Okay. And Christian Ruck officiated it. Yes, I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that is, and Andrew is what line, in the, what order in line of your, of your siblings? He's the next oldest, next and oldest. I was his best man for that one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And um, you are the youngest of eight. Eight, yes. Eight in my whole family. And some of the some of the people who are listening may know uh, who your dad is. Uh, your your dad is Gerard, who who he and your mom were, I think, a ri- pretty original members of yeah. the church. My papa's story says he heard about the church from three different people before anyone had met for it. Mm-hmm. So there's a new Anglican church. Mm-hmm. Or a new Anglican group meeting, and then yeah. they met at like a meeting room or a area inside of an apartment building mm-hmm. to begin with, 
And then I think they found this building pretty quick after that. Yeah, it was actually very early as, yeah. as church plants go. It, went, it was a pretty successful yeah. thing. So my mom and papa were sort of original attenders. Mm -hmm. But they never became like official members or clergy or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. They just loved the rucks. Yeah. And uh, we still hang out with Molly's mom sometimes. Dee mm -hmm. Dee. Yep. Yep. So every Great. so often we run into them. And so you uh, you came to the building for bar mitzvah. When did when do you remember maybe first coming to a service? Was it just the wedding? The oh, probably before the wedding. I'm yeah. sure we went to a service or two, and we hadn't gone to anything with such like uh, liturgy or like mm -hmm. yeah. the vestments or anything like that. Uh -huh. So it was a bit of a shock for us. We were used to like a lot of like uh, Lutheran and yes. stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Well, it's been great seeing you. Been great getting to know you a little bit. And I am really, really, I, I have no idea what, Michael and I have not talked about music, if not much. If, if So I really don't know where where, where your picks are going to be, so it'll be super fun. So um, so Michael is not doing albums. He is, Mike is doing songs, correct? Yeah. So you have nine songs. So these are like, would you say that these are like your nine favorite songs? Or is there a specific reason why you picked these? These would be the ones you'd have with you in the basement if you just had songs. Yeah. No, I wanted to pick nine songs that were kind of timeless or like stand at the test of time. Yes. So they're still popular today. You could play them anywhere, anytime, among any person. Yes. And they'd find it pretty good. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to make something kind of like, well, it's all dance music. Okay. So a DJ has to curate his music to his audience. Sure. So the audience fits everybody. I wanted to make something kind of listenable for everybody. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I'm extremely interested as to what we're... What's your uh, first pick of your song? Uh, my first pick isn't actually like electronic dance music, but it is a pretty fun song. It's the song Tank by Yoko Kano and the Seatbelts. Uh-huh. And that is the opening theme song to the anime Cowboy Bebop. This is the second time Cowboy Bebop has made an appearance on this show. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Van Ningen had, like, uh, I think it was a soundtrack from that. Yeah, the entire soundtrack's done by Yoko Kano. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she, she's the composer, and then the seatbelts are the people who perform it all. Cool. They're like a big brass band. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of jazz, blues, all those kinds of things, big band. When's the first time you heard this? Uh, probably the first time I watched the anime and uh -huh. the intro. Uh -huh. The intro is very original. It's the first of its sort of like kind. And the song is supposed to give you sort of a 1960s spy feel. Okay. Because it's very like um, fun, energetic, kind of a chase scene type music. Mm -hmm. uh, now, are you a big fan of of anime in general or is this just you just particularly find this one to be this music great and you anime you can kind of take or leave i probably was a big fan okay i don't really keep up with it as much anymore mm -hmm. the animation style and stories have changed a lot mm -hmm. but back then they were like pretty uh a, i don't know they had to spend a lot of time and there are fewer animes to choose from yeah so this one was a whole season which is 26 episodes okay and it was such a hit, they actually made a full-length feature film. Okay. Which is just like one big episode. Okay, yeah. I've finally started to watch a few anime films over the last few years. I, I mean, I've heard about them my whole life. But in then, like, late 90s, early 2000s, there was, like, a few. that Princess Mononoke was one that was came out that was hugely popular in the States. Yeah. I just never saw And I just recently watched it with my boys for the first time. So yeah. starting to, to get into it a little bit. That one's a great one. Yeah. It's all voiced by Hollywood actors, too. 
Yes. So it's it, like done very well compared to like television anime, which is kind of campy. Yeah. Very... Yeah. It is done with a lot of thought. It's not just yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, unless you, if you unless you have something else about that, what's your number two pick? Uh, my number two pick is Fat Boy Slim, and the song is called Praise You. Sure, I remember that one. It came out in 1998, mm-hmm. and um, the reason it caught my attention right away was probably the music video. Was that the one with Christopher Walken? No, that was his second big hit. That one's called Weapon of Choice. That's right, yes. Okay, and that's Christopher so Walken the, dancing through like an empty place. for this one? This one is the uh, Torrance Dance Community, mm-hmm. and it's this funny, kind of geeky-looking guy with about eight others, and mm-hmm. they start... Like, he starts a boombox in front of a busy movie theater, uh-huh. and everyone's waiting to go to the movies and stuff. So they're doing sort of like an entertainment show that uh-huh. on the street no one was expecting. Uh-huh. So, and they're not like professional dancers in any way. They're very uh-huh. amateur. Okay. But it was choreographed for this music video and this song, and the, the video is directed by Spike Jones. Sure. Mm-hmm. I remember that he directed a few. I think he might have directed the Christopher Walken one as well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But this one's good because it seems very like on the street, low budget, handy cam, and uh, not too many angle changes at all, I don't think. He just uh-huh. sort of walks around the area. But it's a pretty fun music video. The starts out with the guy kind of just doing his own thing, and then the eight people start joining in. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two minutes into it, this guy walks over and hits stop on the, uh-huh. on the CD player because he wants him to stop doing it. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, everyone kind of, what are you doing? And yeah. so the guy walks away, and he quickly presses play and fast forwards because it's like kind of old tape deck style. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then he presses play again, so the song starts where they left off, and they continue the dance. <laughs> So it's like a funny, like, actual real-life sort of problem in the middle of, middle of the music video, but it came out pretty good. You know, what I should do is when I put this uh, episode up, I could link the YouTube so somebody wants to see, watch the uh, Yeah, video. I would. It's yeah. pretty fun. It's a great I feel video. like I don't remember that one. I remember the song. Mm-hmm. I remember the song. I don't remember the video. At that point, I was not watching videos as much. I was in my 20s by that point. Yeah. I, I watched a lot of videos when I was a teenager, but I didn't watch as many when I was a... But I do remember the Christopher Walken one just because it was so... Christopher Walken was very memorable, so... Yeah, they even got him on, like, wires and stuff. He kind of floats for a little while in, uh-huh. the, in the music video. Yeah. But in this one, um, it's more just low budget and kind of like... It was so low budget... When they submitted the music video to MTV, mm-hmm. they refused it and said, okay. we will not air this. Yeah. And But then Fatboy Slim was like, no, that's the actual video. <laughs> and it's actually directed by Spike Jones. And they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, and then people it, yeah. loved it and it was a hit. Now, was that... Because Spike Jones obviously did some really good movies, but he did like several videos. I feel like he did the Weezer like buddy holly video where they're like in the happy days cafe and yeah. stuff i feel like he did so many so that, so i guess at that point he had enough of a following that when they said it was him they were they yeah. were fine with they're like oh oops <laughs> i guess i guess we will air it from now on all right well that's cool that's a good one what's number three number three is a very big group they got international from this song it was daft punk sure and the song's one more time i've probably heard it i know that i haven't listened i mean they're extremely popular so I, i've heard of them but i yeah. haven't listened to a lot of their music this one is very very rememberable or memorable uh-huh. for anyone that has ever heard it once what was it called again one more time okay kind of has a, a vocalist named romanthe who sings over it mm-hmm. and it's mostly done in like 
basically they just take samples out of other songs mm-hmm. and very tiny samples and mm-hmm. then cut them and repeat them a bunch and then mm-hmm. they make French house out of it okay. which is a subgenre of okay. house music okay so it's kind of disco based now are they from France yeah yeah I thought so yeah yeah so they used to wear helmets uh-huh. like kind of motorcycle helmets and uh-huh. eventually they were more technologically advanced and would have like words and pictures show up on their faces uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, uh, so no one knew who they were or forgot who they were because uh-huh. they already did a bunch of shows without helmets on before when they sure. did their other albums previously to this. Just not the notoriety yet. Yeah, so their names are Guy Manuel and Thomas, or Tomas. Yeah. It's funny, you know, sometimes you'll come across like weird polls on the internet with like, you know, like the most popular, you know, what. So I found that I saw this poll that was like, it was a picture of the United States. And they were going through and saying who the most popular music group in each state of the United States was. And the one in Minnesota was Daft Punk. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. <laughs> I think they're just weird enough and fun enough that it's such like a, I don't know. And their music's very like free and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't like get like heavy dance music. They're yeah. like very kind of stay towards disco and even make a couple of love songs and ballads in this mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. The album it comes from is called Discovery. Okay. Their second big one. Well, cool. Well, as usual, as I do with all my, my guests, I'll make... This will be an easy uh, playlist to make since you're doing nine songs. So I can do the playlist and I can link uh, the video or whatever else we want to link with it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to keep talking through Michael's Picks. And we're back. And so the first three, now with most, with all my guests, I think there's been one or two people that I've had on that have sent me their list beforehand. And I don't like that. I like to be able to be surprised. So Mm -hmm. I had no idea what your picks would be. So the first three picks are all dance music. So I'm guessing, so what what is it about uh, dance music specifically besides, I guess, the obvious, if you like to dance? Do you like to dance? Or I do is like that, to dance. So is that like just a big part of your life, being able to go and dance in, in clubs and stuff? Or Oh, it used to be. I mean, uh-huh. I, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. In my 20s, definitely, I went a lot. Yeah, sure. saw a lot of different artists with different types of genres of music. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun to see like how creative dance music can get. Yeah. Because there are so many genres, and among the genres, there's sub-genres. Uh-huh. So everyone kind of gets very particular about what they make. Mm-hmm. And some of them become, like, experts or, like, the leading of that sort of initial sound. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of uh, hone it in and make something very, like, unique that you could always say, oh, that's this person. So what are some of the things that you, like, with some of the artists, like, you mentioned, let's do a couple of the ones we already mentioned what does Daft Punk bring, like, when you listen to it, audio, what, what is it that they bring that, you know, another person, what, what's their, what's their, their unique? The unique, the uniqueness of them is, uh, like, the samples they choose. Mm-hmm. They, they definitely go for something really fun from their past. They pick stuff out of the disco era mm-hmm. to, like, sort of make their whole song around. Yeah. So and they'll pick just 10 seconds, 5 seconds, yeah. just this little cut loop. Yeah. And then build on it and build on it like house music does. Basically, uh-huh. they start with a tiny melody that repeats itself. It's all yeah. about repeating. Yeah. It's like four bars, eight bars, 16, sure. 32. Sure. And then it barely changes, but just enough to keep it yeah. interesting. Yeah. So a lot of dance music is kind of structured very much like that, where it'll be four minutes, three minutes, sometimes five minutes if they're you know extra creative. Mm-hmm. 
and then it repeats itself a lot, but there's always variation throughout every single verse and mm-hmm. when they hit the chorus and stuff. Cool. All right. Well, so with that in mind, what's uh, number four pick? My number four pick is by Dead Mouse, and the song's called Strobe. Uh-huh. I don't think I've heard of this one. Okay. I don't think I've heard of Dead Mouse, actually, now that you mention it. Dead Mouse also wears a helmet on stage. <laughs> it looks like a giant mouse head with a smiley face on it. All right. So probably have I made... Okay, now I'm showing my cards. They're very popular. Yeah, for a or... while, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure he still like sells out shows and sure. headline stuff. Sure. But uh, he was much more popular in the late 2000s, like okay. 2010 and on. Okay. That's when everyone really knew who he was, at okay. least in the, you know, anywhere between high school and college age. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know Dead Mouse, it was a little bit weird. Okay. So yeah, he he makes a bunch of progressive house music, okay. which is another genre of house. Mm-hmm. To be progressive, the song kind of changes the entire time. So okay. there'll be sections that sound nothing like previous sections. Mm-hmm. And it kind of keeps um, sort of adapting that way until like maybe towards the second half of the song, they all start to come together again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, this song especially is long. It's 10 minutes and 37 seconds mm-hmm. long, mm-hmm. which is one of the longest, you know, sort of dance songs that yeah. you're allowed to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you are if you have a great following and the songs, this song is great the entire time. You can listen to the whole thing and think it's only been two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, especially the, uh, you know, especially if you're, it seems like if you, if they, if they know what they're doing very well, they would be able to draw you in in a way that it would be more timeless. It wouldn't be, or time, timeless sounds different, but like just the, the time goes by quickly if it's 10 minutes. Yeah. And like other artists, this one came out in 2009 and other artists have like gone back through his discography and said, this is probably his best song, uh-huh. despite it not being the number one hit on uh-huh. any of his albums. Uh-huh. It came out on his fourth studio album by then. Okay. But it was it's like uh, something you might play at the very end of a show to kind of bring the audience together mm-hmm. and sort of tell them to stop jumping as much. Okay. <laughs> and like, get ready for the house lights to come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got, like, a lot of emotion in it. So this one time I made a music video, kind of. I cut together a bunch of clips from when I went skiing out west with my brothers. Uh-huh. So I was visiting my brother Jamie, uh-huh. and we went down on Fat Tuesday, whatever, but yes. Mardi Gras day. Sure. And it was great snow, and I had a GoPro camera with me that day, uh-huh. and my phone. So I filmed a bunch of clips and stuff, and edited it together when I got home. And the video was so long, I needed a long song to put on it. Okay. So you I was like, it. oh, this is perfect. The song will work, and it kind of fits the theme. It kind of builds and builds as we go up the tram, and that's pretty fun as we're going down the hill. It's kind of more dance music and stuff. Cool. Then it kind of comes so down. So is that like a YouTube video you have? Yep, you can find or that on YouTube. maybe I should link that. Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel. There you go. Okay, cool. So uh, where was this that you did this? Was it Utah? Or yeah, what? in Snowbird okay. in Utah, which yeah. is in the Wasatch Valley. Okay, cool. But that one was, or Canyon, whatever they call it. So you're taking the picture uh, and are you, you're you taking the, the camera and you're videoing Jamie? Yeah, it's it? me first person. Uh-huh. From my point of view, and also turning around and filming Andrew and Jamie yeah, as they ski oh. and snowboard by. Okay. So trying to, like, it came out pretty okay. So after I edited it, I put it up on YouTube. Yeah. And I told my mom to go watch it. Uh-huh. So my mom was watching it in the living room, uh-huh. and she started crying during okay. it. Okay. So we were kind of laughing, like, what are you crying about? She's like, it's just so beautiful to see my brother, my sons together. Aw. 
So that's kind cool. of a funny experience and a funny memory that we like to joke about. So that was like, what time, What year was the, the song again? Uh, it came out in 2009. Okay, so not, think, so not long after that then. Yeah, we probably went snowboarding in 2010, 11. Yeah. I'm not sure. Something yeah, like that. sure. All right, well, what's number five? Number five is by a couple guys. They call themselves Crystal Method. Oh, sure. And the song's yeah, I remember that. Busy Child. Okay. I think the one that I know of theirs, the Black Rock and Beats, I think is the name of the song. Uh, that no, that's Chemical, Chemical Brothers. Brothers. That's the Chemical Brothers. But they Pardon do me. sound, and they did come out at the same time. Chemical Brothers, that's right. They're very similar in that aspect. Yeah, I remember Chris, Chris Method was like really popular. Like, was that early 2000s? Uh, that's probably when they got their biggest popularity, but they were, this song came out in 1997. Okay. And the most memorable version of it, which people might remember, was on a Gap commercial. Okay. Where it's called Khaki's Rock. And okay. the video is a bunch of people rollerblading and skateboarding mm-hmm. in khakis. Okay. I don't and the song that. goes, get busy, child. Dun, 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 and it's very, <laughs> it's got a breakbeat behind it. I think I do remember that. Or at least the, you saying that line reminds me of, I, I think I do remember the song. But. Yeah. So this one is a, a breakbeat. Uh-huh. So kind of like a, a breakdancing beat, which is usually at about 135 BPM. Okay. Breakdancing, that's my, that's that was popular when I was growing up, mid-80s. I grew up in the oh, 80s, yeah. and breakdancing was... The, we, the kids were doing that in the elementary school where I was when I grew up. Yeah, I used to breakdance a little bit when Did I was you? in high school. Okay. So, uh, another artist that you like a lot? Yeah, Crystal, Crystal Method's I mean, got... They were real... I remember, if I've heard of them, yeah. that means they were pretty popular. Because you're talking about how, like, all these songs are, real, are, you know, have a wide appeal. Yeah. And so, like, it makes sense that I've now heard of some of these, because I, you know, I don't listen to house music that much if yeah. ever. and so if i've heard of it that means they were pretty popular so yeah. that's pretty cool i remember them yeah how many people in that group just two guys just two guys yeah typically when it's in the 90s and they were doing djing they needed two guys to handle everything because yeah. the the electronics they had were a lot like harder to control mm-hmm. and if they wanted to make a cohesive song and be able to repeat it at every show Mm-hmm. You basically had to have at least two people on all the machines yeah. to kind of keep track of what they were doing. And then usually their live versions are always a little bit different than their recorded version anyways. Oh, sure. Yeah, but playing they, around with it and improving. Yeah, but they just try to keep track of all their samples and yeah. remember all the timing as to, like, it builds like this, and then this part starts now. And what was the name of the song again? Busy Child. Busy Child. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, what's number six? Number six is... Not known by anybody. Okay. It's by a guy named Receptor. Oh, sure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the song's called Jackie. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a song I was sent by a friend on uh, a music forum I'm a part of. Oh, okay. So there's this dance music community forum on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was very popular in 2010 through 2013. It's probably when it was the most popular. If you, basically anyone that wanted to pirate dance music uh-huh. could Google the song, and most of the time this website would come up okay. as to like where you might be able to find it, or the uh-huh. link to download that song. Yeah. So this is like a big forum that existed, it still does exist actually, just sort of changed its name a few times. Mm-hmm. And I've been a part of it since 2012 officially. I think I was downloading music from them since 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a resource for all DJs to sort of figure out what they like, new music, inspiration. Mm-hmm. They post their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, since being there, I just started as a member. And then eventually I was a contributor. 
and then I turned into a moderator, and okay. now I'm an administrator. Okay. So do you, have you ever done any DJing or anything? Or you done, like... Yeah. Yeah, you have? Yeah. Okay. I've done uh, different parties. Okay. And one time I did a live show at a club. Oh, okay. That was, I was invited to do that with a friend. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. But it was funny, because there's literally no audience. Okay. It was pretty early in the evening. Okay. But <laughs> I was excited to hear. To arrive still. Yeah, I was excited to hear everything on a big system. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had no idea. All right. Well, that's uh, six picks. We will take one more uh, break. We'll we'll come back and we'll hear the last three and plus the book and luxury ad. All mm-hmm. right. Hold on one sec. And we are back. And did you did you have anything else you wanted to say about Jackie, the, the last song? I mean, I kind of got us going on your DJ proclivities, and I didn't get the chance to hear about the, what you love about that song. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, we were going through all these different songs. This song came out in 2015 and officially released in 2016. And... Uh, it was it's by a drum and bass artist. Okay. So drum and bass is another genre. Uh-huh. And it's very structured. It, once you hear enough drum and bass, you know exactly everything's always drum and bass. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change very much, doesn't vary very much, but there's they make song after song after song. There's artists that do nothing but drum and bass. Uh-huh. And it's super popular in Europe, Eastern, Western, and Russia and kind of that whole area. So they'll have entire festivals devoted to just drum and bass. Yeah. And this guy's from Russia. Okay. Uh, and he was like not very well known, but the music he could make and does make was always like far more advanced and more interesting than most of the drum and bass artists. Mm-hmm. So this song came out, and it's not necessarily drum and bass. It kind of has a lot of different sounds in it that give it more of like a dubstep feeling or something like that, but it's at a faster pace to kind of keep it exciting. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's just kind of a easy song to search for if you just type in Receptor Jackie. Okay. And it's got like a great sort of start where it starts with actually like the way an old movie starts, like da 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 da. Sure, sure, sure. And then it moves into the song, and it's very pretty and melodic. And then it progresses and changes throughout the whole song, which I thought was good because it keeps it very varied. Mm-hmm. It's not so like a lot of the dance music does repeat itself a lot. Yeah. And if someone isn't into it, after about a minute and a half, they're like, next. Yeah, yeah. But this one changes enough where you can listen to the whole thing and mm-hmm. wonder if you actually started, if the song's changed already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So since we've done six of these and we've got three more to go, plus your book and lecture item, I guess the one question I would ask, do you remember what your sort of entrance was in terms of interest in this kind of music? What was your, you know, what was... You know, when did you first remember really starting getting into it, and what what drew you uh, drew you to it? Yeah, um, I listened to a lot of my older siblings' music. Uh huh. So I had a lot of brothers and sisters who'd listen to all sorts of music. My three oldest brothers listened to like a lot of rock and roll mm-hmm. and different types of that, and uh, my sisters listened to like more like country and gospel and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. My brother Ben was probably the most influential about music because mm-hmm. he would often have the next newest, most exciting thing, and he'd usually have a pretty nice stereo in his car. So uh-huh. it's always fun to take a ride with him somewhere, and yeah. you'd hear all these new sounds you've never heard before. Yeah. So he started playing some dance music for me, 
and I'd take all of his CDs and copy them to my computer so I could listen to him over and over. Mm. And from there, I think it's just sort of kept expanding. Like, he's the one who introduced me to Chemical Brothers and Crystal uh-huh. Method in uh-huh. the beginning. And then from there, I would just sort of keep finding new things on my own and trying to, like, explore what did that sound like and mm. who remixed them mm-hmm. and how did, you know, where'd they come from and what did their old stuff sound like. Mm-hmm. And then as their new stuff came out, to be like, oh, it's they're getting really good. And sometimes people actually start to get worse as they keep making music because yeah. they sort of start repeating themselves or following sort of a... Or their eardrums start to leak, you know. Yeah, maybe that ha- I wouldn't... I don't doubt that. I don't think they knew much about ear well, protection just, back yeah, then. Yeah, totally. It's such loud music as well as just being right next to the speakers and everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I could see that, you know, just listening to so many other different kinds of music, how something like this, especially that's the building block. Here's a question for you, just because since you seem to know the genre... When did, um, because I remember, you know, growing up, especially DJs in the hip hop, you know, would be be scratching records a lot. Mm -hmm. When did that, is that still part of, of, uh, of the dance music genre? Like, you know, what people will do with the records or is that, is that, you know. There's still world competitions for that. So you can still be the world's best DJ, Mm -hmm. disc jockey of like putting two records on Mm -hmm. and just doing tricks and also making really interesting music out of Mm -hmm. three or four different records or songs. Yeah. So they still do that and they still compete and those people often go on to get record deals Yeah. and then they have to stop DJing and start producing, (laughs) which none of them are used to. Yeah. But they're still very smart about music, so they usually create some pretty interesting stuff and a lot of them go on to be super famous, but they're actually the most fun to see live. Yeah, I bet. Because they have to... They're doing what they love, which is performing, versus like DJs that sit in their basement or yeah. in their house or on a computer and just on the computer or with a CD yeah. player and just burning the yeah yeah I mean, yeah yeah that makes sense. I mean, you, and just even you know the actual act action of playing with the two you know tape uh, tabletops. Uh, turntables. Turntables, thank you. I, I, I'm a big record guy. I have one sitting right next to you, so yeah. I should remember what a turntable is. But yeah, just like the actual physical element as opposed to just, you know, on a keyboard and yeah. cutting and pasting. And Typically, like that's that. where I'd go for my live shows. I'd find electronic music makers that were still very much involved in the live performance. Mm-hmm. So they'd have... Sometimes they'd have, like, a drum set with them, and they'd do everything electronically with the drums. Mm-hmm. And then they'd build on that and loop stuff. Some people would actually have a full band mm-hmm. and, like, play stuff and then put some effects on it. And mm-hmm. then, So a lot of times it can be very fun and interesting to see, like, a live show that's dance music yeah. instead of just a guy standing behind a dark table. <laughs> yeah, I would think. Yeah. Totally. Okay, well, with that in mind, what's your uh, seventh song that you picked? My seventh song is by two guys, Matt Zoe and Porter Robinson. Mm-hmm. This song's called Easy. Mm-hmm. This one came out in 2013 at like the height of Electro House. Okay. And this is like a very much um, sort of very, I don't know how to explain it. It's house music, but it has like a lot more feeling, emotion, energy involved. Mm-hmm. Usually pretty uh, loud. <laughs> <laughs> So when you say energy involved, then maybe is it still as repetitive, or is there something else about it that gives it its character? It's kind of repetitive in the same way that house music can be repetitive, but it's got more, more noises, more nuance, more okay. whooshes, different mm-hmm. kinds of sounds and effects on all everything. 
And then uh, this one has lyrics that repeat. A lot of them do have okay. just lyrics that repeat over and over. One more time says one more time a hundred times. Mm-hmm. This one says, because uh, loving you is easy. Mm-hmm. I'm so in love. It's all I want to do or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this one is pretty interesting because these guys, when they wrote it, they were only 21 and 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And this came out on Matt Zoe's album, Damage Control. Mm-hmm. But by then, they were both famous, internationally famous, and mm-hmm. were touring... And they're only 21 and 23. Basically, wow. they both, I think, one, well, I'm sure they went to college, but they may mm-hmm. have dropped out just to yeah. say, wait, I'm getting better at this than just going to school. Sure. But yeah, so they keep doing that. Um, and this is like a really fun, lovely song that's got a lot of high energy that I think is like a good example of Electro House that's not obnoxious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not too repetitive. No, mm-hmm. No hard squeaky noises or... Anything funky like that. Cool. Um, typically speaking, when people do, uh, when, when you have an artist who does that, does this kind of music, do they typically hire um, hire people for the vocals or do they a lot of times do them themselves? They'll hire people, but a lot of times they'll just find a vocal that they loved in a different song. Yeah. They still very much sample. Mm-hmm. So they'll take... Uh, sounds they've heard or they'll have a pack of presets and all this kind of stuff and different samples so those kind of like reconstruct music that already exists Mm -hmm. put it back together and then have a brand new song out of it Mm -hmm. so sometimes you'll hear vocals and a lot of dance music and you'll be like i feel like i've heard this before yeah totally and if you like you can narrow it in on a song like Mm -hmm. a lot of r&b is repeated a lot Mm -hmm. they'll pick a little chorus line Mm -hmm. and like that that was perfect those three words right there Mm -hmm. yeah Okay, but what's number eight? Uh, Number eight is by another relatively unknown guy. He's Scottish. Mm -hmm. His name is Sam Gelatry. Mm -hmm. Uh, He made this song called Powder. Okay. And he made this song when he was only 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So he's not even out of high school. And he's already making music far beyond his age. Yeah. Uh, And this came out in 2014. So throughout the years, as technology got better and easier... The, the producer's age was slowly decreasing. They get younger and younger and Got younger. It. yeah. Because like you're more and more adept at the technology probably too. Yeah, I think there's a guy uh, like Porter Robinson's predecessor, not predecessor, his sort of guy that came after him mm-hmm. uh, named Maddion. And he like made his first hit when he was like 14. Sure. So he wasn't allowed to tour or do anything. <laughs> he was like, stuck at home and like, yeah. would make records. And then yeah. eventually he's like, okay, I think I could tour when he turns 16. Yeah, and, and the royalties pour in. And then when he's 18, he actually gets to start using the money. Exactly. So <laughs> these guys keep getting younger and younger and younger. And this guy was making this different kind of music that was getting more and more popular in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it sounds like hip hop. Uh-huh. But it's much more ethereal or uh, kind of like spacey. Not kind of dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a hip-hop beat. Um, a little bit slower, a little bit more. Uh, sometimes it includes what's called trap, mm-hmm. which is usually you can find what trap is by hearing a lot of hi-hats hitting really fast, kind mm-hmm. of leading into it and jumping in and then spaces. Okay. But this one has a lot of very good variation. Again, it's like a whole song you can listen to without getting bored. Yeah. And it's uh, it was interesting that he was making this at 17. He still goes on and makes albums. He just came out with another one. And now he's using his own vocals. Mm-hmm. So like, as these producers you know, evolve, they start to like 
kind of make what they meant to make as teenagers. Because when they were teenagers, they were stuck with just a computer. Sure. And they used whatever they could find to put together, like, you know, someone trying to build something out of whatever scraps they got. Yep. And then eventually when they're old enough, they got the whole shop and they can make anything. they can start hiring people. Exactly. They can actually pay for the nice stuff. Mm -hmm. And they actually take your time because they've got, you know, time to do it. They've already been paid by the record label to sit down and Mm -hmm. make a piece of work. And so it sounds like this one has a more... So do these different songs have sort of a different moods for you? Yeah, definitely. So it's like this one, something like this is more dreamy, and then you got other ones that are maybe like... I wouldn't call, like, uh, Praise You a relaxing song. It's more of an energetic... Yeah, there's lasers at the end of that one. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, I like uh, dance music for the energy. Yeah. Makes you fun. Makes work fun. Yeah. Makes driving fun. Yeah. It's not, I wouldn't sit down and read to it. <laughs> <laughs> but then this one you could sit down and read to. Yeah, because it's a little more. Yeah, so I tried to include a couple more mellow dance songs to say, like, not all dance music has to be crazy and energetic. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is actually really, uh, I mean, when you get to the right genres. A lot of it's really easygoing and like pretty nice to like sit down at a desk and do simple work too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so we've gone through eight. Yeah. We are to number nine. What's your number nine pick? Okay, number nine is by this guy called Mr. Carmack. Mm-hmm. His real name is Aaron Carmack. Okay. Uh, and the song's called Triassic. Okay. And it was, it's, he made like his own version of a song that already existed called Triassic. Okay. By another DJ he likes and... Oh, okay. So this other DJ made his first song called Jurassic. Okay. Which is very loud and very Mm -hmm. like dubstep, very Mm -hmm. attacky, you know, very big, big sounds kind of, that's not a song I put on the list because it would be hard to listen to. Sure. Sure. The Triassic one, he kind of made it slightly more mellow, mellow, but he kept the same melody. Mm -hmm. So it has the same melody within the whole song. But then Mr. Carmack came out with his version in 2014, and his version of Triassic is super cool. Uh-huh. He does it with, like, all real instruments. Okay. And, like, it still has a hip-hop beat to it. Okay. So instead of being all dubstep or crazy, he changed it to, like, a really lo-fi hip-hop beat. Okay. And uh, he uses a lot more instruments in it, and eventually, uh, during the second half of the song, he brings in, like, a horn. Okay. And the horn kind of carries the melody. But it's still, like, a loop. Is it sort of loop, or does he actually have the... Like... I'd say the beat's looped, but yeah. the melody is consistently live. Oh, that's cool. So he like does a lot more variation on it. Yeah, it's kind of like if a jazz artist took a song yeah, and played totally. with it a lot. Well, yeah, and that's the interesting thing. When I'm listening to you, I'm a huge jazz fan. So like listening to you, like the principles, jazz, you know, jazz definitely has a lot more variation. It goes away, but the, the principles are kind of the same. You have a, a specific... You know, beat or a bar that you're riffing off of, and that's all yeah. it is. You know, for as long as people want to do it. You yeah. know, most songs are jazz are you know between five and ten minutes. Some of the earliest songs because you could only put three minutes on a record or, or only that long. But yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that when I was listening to you talk about it. Yeah, all the dance music follow pretty strict rules when you want to like identify their genres. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of them follow a very particular BPM. A lot of them follow a very particular beat pattern. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the sounds that accompany it, that they choose the set of sounds. Often they'll pick a mood or like a key mm-hmm. or anything like that. And then that sort of starts to dictate exactly what they're making. And usually they're inspired by somebody else. Yeah. So they're kind of like 
oh, I love what they did, mm-hmm. and I want to do what they did, but my way. Mm-hmm. But it's still somewhat what they did. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just changes slightly, ever so slowly, which is why dance music's interesting, and it evolves. And then every so often there's a, they'll declare a new genre once it's different enough. Yes, yes. And it sounds to me like that the differences are a little bit more subtle than in other genres. Yeah, it, they, it's, you know, I don't know, that's just, I, if you go back in time, I think drum and bass started in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And it all started with the Amen Break, which is which is a fifth, not even 15, I think it's like a seven second clip out of this jazz song. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, called Amen Break. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're out of an unknown group, but it's just like, uh, mm-hmm. it's in the very beginning of Busy Child by Crystal Method. Okay. This is the Amen Break, which is like most dance music repeats this and it's based off this. Okay. Because it's like the first time someone took a really interesting bit of percussion. That had never been played before, and it for some reason was the biggest sample. It's used in like all the beginning hip hop of the eighties and nineties. So, so the, that Amen Break, yeah, just so that was Soul. I'm just looking it up. Uh, soul group, the Winstons releases yeah. a piece of uh, side of the nineteen sixty nine single "Color Him Father." With the rise of hip hop, the break was used in hits including "Straight Outta Compton" by N.W.A. Yeah. A lot of big names there. That's oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, it's repeated in all dance music. You wouldn't have known it, but once you start to deconstruct everyone's music, you realize mm-hmm. they're all based off each other, off sure. someone else. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're using the same instrument packs or the mm-hmm. same drums or like exactly, you know, they kind of was like, I love what they did. I'm going to use that later. Mm-hmm. Like what's really fun today is listening to people that mimic like 80s music. Yeah. Like really kind of dorky sounding music Uh but today with all the technology and and effects they can put on it Mm -hmm. it sounds super cool yeah it's like it's like listening to dorky music but it's not dorky anymore (laughs) (laughs) all right well i'm looking forward to putting this playlist together and listening to it i will really enjoy that i've got my uh got my phone and i got my beat my beatbox uh my beat uh earbuds so it'll be fun to listen to um so that's your nine songs so as you know, as since you listen to the show, you know everybody gets a uh, gets to leave a book in the library that we've been accumulating. I sent you a list of the books that are already down there. What's the book that you would want? And besides the list, the books that are there, as well as a Bible and a Book of Common Prayer, what's your book? I looked through the list and yeah. I was kind of shocked to see shocked yeah shocked to see no one chose a children's book. Oh, sure. So this is like, it's it's a pretty adult children's book. Okay. But it's called The Little Prince. Was that made into a movie at some point? Uh, I think so. I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah. It could be a movie. I feel like it'd be a short movie. Okay. But it's by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Uh-huh. And he was born in 1900, and he was a famous French pilot. Okay. And he was also a writer. Okay. So he'd fly. He wanted to fly ever since the 1912 when he saw his first airplane. Okay. And eventually he got to, and then he became a famous pilot. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like French aristocracy. Okay. But then uh, he's also a writer at the same time. All right. So it's, he, he, there's like a really short um, sort of documentary on him on YouTube. It's about 15 minutes long. Uh-huh. And it explains his life very well. Okay. And he uses even some cuts of him talking, and there's video footage of who he was. And he's very French. Of course. But yes. the book's the book's really good. It's about a pilot, and this is actually kind of based on himself. 
Uh-huh. A pilot who crashes in the Sahara Desert because he crashed in Libya okay. while doing a flight. And then he was lost, or he at least got so dehydrated he thought he was lost uh-huh. until someone finally found him on a camel. Okay. So he wrote this book about a son he never had. He had daughters. Uh-huh. So he decided to write a book about the little prince who's the son he never had. Okay. And it starts pretty interesting. He's lost in the desert, and the little prince shows up. Out of nowhere, he wakes up, and there's this boy waiting there with him. And the boy just says, draw me a sheep. Uh-huh. And he says, what are you doing here? And the boy acts like he doesn't hear him. He's just like, draw me a sheep. Uh-huh. So then he starts to like, all right, well, this kid came out of nowhere. I'm in the middle of the desert. I better do what he says. Yeah. So he starts drawing sheeps, and the boy doesn't like any of the sheeps. And he's like, no, nah, that one's sick. That one's old. That's not even a sheep. That's a ram. <laughs> and so he's like, all right. And he's like, I got to I gotta work on my plane because he's trying to fix his plane. He has to work on it himself to try to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So he draws a box and says, your sheep's in the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the kid's like, this is perfect. This mm-hmm. is a perfect sheep. So then it goes on. The little prince talks about where he came from, the plants he visited, um, and then the fact that he's got this rose he used to take care of on his planet. Mm-hmm. So this rose is a relationship he had, sort of taking care of the rose. Mm-hmm. So then on Earth he meets a fox, and the fox sort of helps explain what the rose was to him. So the fox says, um, you can't play with me, I'm not tame, but if you meet me every day, eventually you can tame me. Mm-hmm. And through you taming me, I'll tame you, mm-hmm. and we'll build a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fox kind of tells him about, like, what would remind him of the fox when the fox is gone. So then the little prince goes on um, to this pilot eventually. And then so the pilot and him create a relationship as well. But the little boy has to go back to his planet one day Mm because he forgot the rose. Uh And he says, I got to go take care of that rose I forgot about. So he's trying to get back to the planet to take care of the rose. And... uh, it's a sweet story where they kind of explain that the little boy has to leave, and even though it may look like he's dead, he's not gone. Mm-hmm. And every time you look into the stars, you'll be reminded of him, and every time you hear certain things, you'll remember him. Mm-hmm. So it's like an idea of that. and then It's that's like cool. a great, but that's why I say it's like an adult yeah. version of a yeah. children's story. Yeah, deep, pretty, not just, yeah, 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 it gets pretty complicated towards the end. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of it, but... Mm-hmm. And so, what's the luxury item you would bring with you? The luxury item I brought was... You brought it? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring it because it has a great noise. Sure. I got my favorite vacuum. <laughs> I used it one time at a client's house. Yeah. And I said, I got to buy that because it's so simple, light, and easy. Sure. It's a battery-powered Dyson vacuum. Okay. So, uh, using it at the, the client's house, it worked great and it was fast. So why was it? Why would you want to bring a vacuum if you if you were stranded in the basement for a year? I like a clean place. <laughs> my house is clean. My bedroom's clean. I got a dog and a cat. I got to keep up. This one's like the pet version. Sure. Um, it's a really like space age looking uh, vacuum to me. Yeah, well, Dyson. Got, yeah. Dyson's all about their vortex, and they got sure. so many spinning. It looks super sh- chic. Yeah. But it's nice, it's really light, and you get a bunch of attachments with it. Want to play it for the crowd there? Yeah, it's the best part is when you take your finger off the trigger and it stops. Uh huh. So, like, it kind of sounds like a vacuum, but then the, the part when it stops is the All right, best. let's try it out. Yeah, it has, like, almost a reverb. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little drum in here or something, which I thought was good. This is something you could sample to make a... Totally, I was thinking that's this... this 
fits in very, very well with the overall theme of your songs. Yeah, so I definitely like pulled the trigger a bunch on purpose just to hear the thum. Absolutely. This is a good noise. Well, Michael, it's been a thrill talking to you. Um, really fun to hear about the passion you have for music. One of the things I love about doing this show is obviously I have, everybody's got different music tastes. So one of the things that I love is just to hear from somebody who just is talking to me about a kind of music that I don't know anything about. It's really fun because not only is it just fun from an information standpoint, but it's always great to see what interests somebody else. So that's really fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time and, and recording an episode of 9th Avenue 9 with me. Yeah, it's been great doing it. I great. like talking about this stuff. Cool. Thanks a lot. A big thank you to Mike for reaching out to me and recording this podcast with me. If you would like to talk music, film, or any other thing you care about, let me know. As long as you somehow connect it back to the number nine, I'm fine. I would like to settle in once and for all to this being a monthly podcast. If you have already been on the show and would like to go for another ride, just let me know. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org. Again, check out the playlist included with the podcast. Until next time, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank mm-hmm. you.